Sunil Vidami opens your gateway to the brave new world of work on The Next Shift. The radio show that explores the exhilarating, the innovative and the unpredictable in the rapidly evolving world of work. Every week, we delve into the uncharted territories of groundbreaking technology, innovation and mind-bending trends that are upending the way we work, live and play. Prepare for a captivating expedition to the zenith of human potential as we intelligently examine the challenges, opportunities and potential pitfalls that lie ahead. From the rise of automation and artificial intelligence, remote working and the emergence of groundbreaking new industries to decentralised workforces and radical income models, the explosion of virtual reality offices and the rise of digital nomads. The next shift empowers you to not only survive, but also thrive in this new era of work. Sunil Badami opens your gateway to the brave new world of work on The Next Shift. Only on Disrupt Radio. This is The Next Shift with Sunil Badami on Disrupt Radio. Working from home to hybrid workplaces, finding the right side hustle or meaning in what you do, how to work with AI before it takes your job. Work is changing faster every day and the future of work is already here. How do you navigate office politics via Zoom? How important is diversity when everyone's working from home? And how can you manage a bad boss or that Gen Z intern? The Next Shift with Sunil Badami. We challenge and inspire you to adapt, evolve and become an unstoppable force. I'm Sunil Badami. I've had more jobs than I've had haircuts, including as a journalist, broadcaster, academic and researcher specialising in the future of work. And together we'll explore the future of work today and how you can shift up to the next level, wherever you work, whatever you do. Welcome to The Next Shift on Disrupt Radio. Come on, gather round. You want to hear a story? From round the campfire to the back row of the cinema, diving into a great novel or standing round the water cooler, humans love stories. Why do we all love stories so much? Well, because we're human. (laughs) And unlike other animals, we can imagine the lives of others and ourselves in those lives, offering us insights and truths beyond the excitement of the plot or the routine of our everyday existence. But recently, you might have heard tales about storytelling for business. What is storytelling for business and, and how does it work? Who's the audience and why are more and more businesses wanting to share their or their people's or their customers' or their product stories? Is it a new and meaningful way to engage or just another cynical marketing shtick? Well, why not come with me, Sunil Badami, as we enter the magical world of storytelling? This is The Next Shift on Disrupt Radio. pretty media savvy nowadays, aren't we? And we all know when we're being sold something. Advertising and marketing copy of the past used to tell you why you should buy a product by rattling off the facts, you know, what it did, how much it cost, all that. 
But as consumers have become more and more discerning, the old hard sell just won't cut it anymore. Marketing has become more sophisticated and strategic, using evocative narratives to connect with audiences, build brands, communicate value and more, to engage, inspire and persuade not only customers, but employees, investors, the media and the community. So how does storytelling for business work? We have some expert storytellers to help guide us through this mysterious world. First up, you'll remember comic book writer and storyteller Matt Groom sharing his story about how he made his side hustle work for him. But his corporate gig was as a storyteller, winning his agency for the people 8 D&D pencils as their head of storytelling. So what makes a good story for business and what are his tips for telling great stories for your business? Disrupt Radio. Matt Groom, welcome back to The Next Shift. It's really great to have your company again. Now, I have to say, you are one of the best storytellers I know. So why don't we start with a story? What kind of stories do you tell? For many years, I was in the branding world, living that agency life and helping different companies find the right way to tell their story to people. And these days, I now work in almost exclusively in comics, telling my own stories and also working for bigger publishers like Marvel and DC. And it turns out there's a lot of crossover between those two things and it was less of a dramatic shift than maybe it seems like to most people. When did you first start writing stories or telling stories? Oh, primary school. I have pretty vivid memories actually of, we'd have creative writing exercises in class and I would write mine and I like to write characters like people that I was in class with into the stories and then would pass them around and people seemed to get a kick out of them so yeah almost as long as I can remember they weren't good but I think I at least got into the habit of producing work quickly all the way back then. Now, I started out always wanting to be a novelist, and I've written a lot of fiction myself, but sadly, literary fiction doesn't pay the bills, which is why we're here. How did you become a storyteller for brands and companies? I started out working in marketing for a cinema chain, and then I wanted to focus more exclusively on writing, so I found a role at a brand voice agency. And this agency, it's called 26. They're in Sydney. They're still around. They're great. Specialize in helping businesses define their brand voice. And I was brought on as a junior writer there. I didn't know almost anything about brand at all. And I was brought in at that junior level and trained up. And I found it fascinating and exciting. But I was also a little frustrated by how siloed off we were and how little impact we had on strategy. Because I think that if you're trying to tell a story but you don't have connections with people who are making the decisions, then you're really trying to manipulate something after the fact and you're not getting to the root of the problem oftentimes. And in that frustration, I was looking for it to work in an agency that had a bit more of that direct, well, agency. And I found For the People, which was a a brand new startup at the time, an agency founded by people with a lot of experience at big agencies, but were having similar frustrations of their own. And I was brought in, I did a bunch of interviews, and they essentially asked me what I wanted my job to be. And I explained my approach to thinking about writing and how it is based in traditional story structure and some mythic storytelling and how I feel like that's undervalued. And I chose the job title of storyteller as my 
job title and then helps define what that meant within the business and what that meant to the offering it for the people. And we were off to the races from there. So what makes a good story? I think easily the most important thing and that I think that clients always bristled about is conflict, challenge. Any story that doesn't involve conflict or challenge feels inauthentic because as people, we understand fundamentally that nothing good comes easily and any great achievements are only earned by wading through the mud and doing the hard yards. But also companies are very hesitant on ever admitting the fact that they've been challenged by anything. I think that's, they perceive that as a weakness. Of course, that's not the case at all. Everyone knows that everyone is challenged. And I think it is that authenticity thing that people want to see that you are working hard and you are overcoming. So yeah, convincing clients that they need to make challenge part of their story and show some vulnerability has been difficult, but I think it's also really vital. So give me an example of, say, a product or service where you might embed the conflict or challenge into it. I don't know, yogurt. (laughs) I struggle with consumer goods, to be honest. I think that's why I've never really connected with doing work in that space. But I think that if you were working on a yogurt brand that had a good story to tell, it's probably because the founders realized that there was a problem with yogurt as it exists currently, and they wanted to fix that. And there would be some challenges in the process of creating the new world of yogurt. Like what did they have to do to fix these problems that they foresaw and how did they overcome them and how did overcoming those challenges demonstrate to the world why they're different and why this new approach to yogurt is going to work. And you that's where you'd be looking for that sort of material. But unfortunately, I think often there's, because there isn't that genuine revolution happening in the yogurt world, at least as far as I know, there's often not authentic stories there. And that's one of the, the important things to accept about it is that there's not always authentic stories and you're not always going to get the best material out of working with clients who don't actually have a good story to tell and you can't fabricate that. So why tell stories in business or in branding? What's the point of telling a story and how do you make it authentic? To me, it's about connecting with people. And I think that especially now there is such a saturation of information and media. It is very much just about standing out and connecting with people and stories are how we connect with people. It's been the case, like we've been telling stories longer than we've had the written word. Like it's so ingrained in who we are. If you can tell a compelling story about your organization, people are going to be much more invested in you in the way that people are invested in a protagonist of a good story. You're always going to find much more success that way than trying to bash people over the head with facts and figures or rote marketing. And I I think if you're in marketing, you've experienced that yourself, right? Like you can have the stats and the figures and they can be correct and true, but people don't care. Like we're monkeys. We're bad at numbers at the end of the day, but we're very good at connecting with each other. So if you can find a way to make your communication about connecting with each other, you're going to have a lot more success. Okay. So how does storytelling in business work? We're thinking about that kind of connection about I don't know, yogurt or insurance or something like that. There's something really that may not necessarily excite people like space travel or dragons. If we had dragons to sell, the story would write itself. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But I think that, like, the mistake is always looking at the thing and not at the people, right? Stories are about people. And that can be the people in the company or it can be about the audience. 
but you've got to find the human story in it. And if it's a, a product category, it's about how the people interact with the product, right? Like it's never about the product itself. And it like, it's, I think the easiest litmus test to figure out if there's a good story at the heart of something is to talk to the founder or the CEO or whoever's in leadership and just ask them about what they do. And if they're excited and passionate, there's a good reason and there's a good story there and you can like mine that out. But I think that's why we certainly found it for the people. Our successes, our biggest successes always came when we worked with the decision makers and the leaders. If you worked with middle management or marketing people who didn't have access and couldn't help you access leadership, you'd never have any success because you're not connected to the stories that matter, which is the people in leadership and the people who had to face the big trials and navigate them. So that's usually where the core is and where you want to start digging. You're on the next shift on Disrupt Radio with me, Sunil Badami, and we're discovering the best ways to tell compelling stories for business with acclaimed storyteller, Matt Groom. So what kind of stories should business be telling? I guess if you're talking to the, the CEO or the founder, we've got an origin story there. What Absolutely. other stories? Origin stories tell? are fantastic. And also, like, success stories are really important, which sounds obvious to say, but I think one of the things we discovered is that companies are quite bad at framing success stories for clients or customers because, again, they'll often take that very shallow view of, oh, we want the customer to say, we had a great experience and 10 out of 10, thumbs up, when what you really want is to understand how what you're offering had a created a meaningful change in the life of that person. And that's the story structure you're looking for. You're not looking for just the endpoint. You're looking for the transition and the forces that shaped that transition. And it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Going back to what you were saying before about conflict, you never really want to hear a success story unless it seems like success was not going to happen. The last absolutely. point in the last quarter of the game or the last hurdle, you actually want to hear that a company has gone through all of those or an organisation has gone through the same kind of self-doubt or obstacles that we've gone through to push on through to that success. Absolutely, because it's validating and it demonstrates strength, right? Like overcoming an easy challenge isn't impressive. Overcoming a significant challenge is impressive and that's why it's important to talk about those dicey moments that you go through and th those moments when things are scariest because if you still exist as a company on the other side of that, you've done something incredible that many companies haven't. Can you think of any good examples of business storytelling, including some of the stories that you've told as a storyteller? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, I think the our biggest successes were always more with organizations and I think like community organizations, for example, we worked with the West coast of Tasmania to help them reframe their tourism offering because it was considered to be a rough place. And it is like, if you look at it socioeconomically, the West coast of Tasmania is poorer. They have less luxury offerings. And if you've been to Tasmania before you go you do the East Coast, you see the lovely scenery, you get your wine tastings, you have a very comfortable experience and you're off. But what the West Coast had to offer was its perceived negativity. It was a very 
rough but wild place and it was exciting in that way. It was off the beaten track and it challenged you. And when we helped them communicate that, take that idea that if you want to experience nature and it's like wild as the most rugged form and if you want to get off the beaten track and see what people haven't seen before, the West Coast is the place to go, it was suddenly profoundly successful. And it was also very honest to the people at the place. Like that was that's the story that they live. So they were very comfortable relating to that to people and owning that story and help carrying it forward. So it is very much like if at the end of the day you hand it to the people involved and the people who live it day to day and their response is, oh, yeah, that's my life. That's how I live it. I just haven't ever thought about framing it that way. You've had the best success. So is telling stories for business about building the brand image or is it about getting people to go or do or buy whatever? It really depends on the nature of your organisation and what you're trying to achieve. But I think that anything that helps people feel more connected to your offering is brand building. I think sometimes people can have a very rudimentary or limited idea of what brand is. But anything that people associate with your offering, be that an emotional response or an experience, is part of building your brand. So I don't see those things as particularly separate. And I think the more rigid you are in your approach, the more likely you are to manufacture something inauthentic, which will then mean it's just not going to resonate. It's interesting too, you talking about talking about conflict and stuff. And I'm just listening to you talking about story. I, I keep thinking about two of the most successful ad campaigns in Australia over the last th- three or four decades. One was the, most people would remember the insurance ad. I think it might've been for Amy with the the lady who goes to Bali and has a, like a multi-episode romance with Ketut. <laughs> and they became these established characters. And because we loved both those characters, it, well, it didn't matter what the product was, but it aligned the product to that. And I also remember the old Nescafe ads, the will they, won't they. The woman moves to, the romance novelist moves to the country and she meets the vet. And yeah. it's not clear whether they will or won't, but they keep working it out over a cup of Nescafe. <laughs> and I think that it's interesting you say, like, it doesn't matter if it was Amy or not. And I understand that, but I think that in truth, it's connected at its core in an emotional way, in the sense that Amy has this sense that they take what they do very seriously, but they're not afraid to communicate the ups and downs of life in a bit more of a sort of like soap opera way. And I think with Nescafe, it has this very like grounded, almost like common people is quite the right way to frame it. It's, yeah, again, it's a soap opera feel, right? Like you don't go to Nescafe looking for something like very premium and reserved. It's very down to earth. And it, that was a down to earth story that they're telling. And I think you need to look at brand in that way, some ways of like, what's our core essence as a brand? And then how can we take that and present that in a way that people won't expect? Like have that feeling that you associate with the brand and have that come to life in different ways. And then I think the two examples that you brought up are very interesting because they're both extremely narrative based, right? Like they're explicitly, they've got characters, they have interpersonal relationships. You're, you're saying just you're really close to traditional storytelling. And of course that's effective and it's always been effective. And I don't want to start my long rant about why I think mascots are underrated and underdone by it, but that's why mascots work, right? Like we want 
a character vessel to put our feelings into and to connect with. One of the golden rules of storytelling, at least in terms of writing fiction, and I know that it's something that you do in your work writing for comics, literally, is mm. creating images that people can see and imagine because if they can see and imagine them, then they become real. But it feels like a lot of corporate jargon has all these images like squaring the circle and pushing the boat out and blue sky or running it up the flagpole that seem to be very visual on one hand but make no sense on the other. Yeah. Can we use storytelling to make corporate jargon more comprehensible or is it a lost cause? I don't think it's a lost cause. I think that well, this is something that we dealt with a lot back at 26, which was the brand voice agency, getting through corporate jargon and particularly like laboured metaphors and also just like very obtuse terminology. It's a habit that people get into, but it's cultural. Like these things develop in the same way that language does in other spaces. It's just not always positive. And the answer to that specifically, it isn't necessarily like going to give you brand definition, but it's going to help you clarify your message is just tell people to say what they mean. Like stop speaking in metaphors and start trying to figure out like, what are you trying to communicate emotionally and earnestly and say that. And that is a beneficial thing to do within an organization to each other, to the people that you work with, because you're going to get clearer results. And it's certainly a much better thing to do in the market because suddenly you're saying what you mean rather than trying to dress it up in a layer of artificiality that nobody requires and is only going to ever make it more obtuse with the people you're trying to connect with. Thanks for unpacking that for us, Matt. We'll action that. <laughs> Thank you so much for telling us such a compelling story about storytelling for business. <laughs> Thank you. I know that if there's going to be a revolution in the yogurt sphere, you're probably the guy who's going to help us do it. That's going to be what brings me back in. Yogurt will come calling and I'll be like, all right, I'm back, I'm in. You're a very cultured man. <laughs> Matt Groom on The Next Shift with me, Sunil Badami on Disrupt Radio. The voice of the business maverick. Businesses know all about different kinds of advertising and marketing, reporting and communicating, whether to sell something or to inform about sales and performance or whatever. But how can they do it persuasively, engagingly and in a way that really means something? What kind of stories should businesses tell? Our next guest, Gabrielle Dolan, is a highly sought-after international keynote speaker and educator on strategic storytelling and real communication. Her clients include the Obama Foundation, Telstra, EY, Accenture, Visa, Australia Post, National Australia Bank, Amazon and Vodafone. The International Association of Business Communicators 2020 Communicator of the Year, she's the best-selling author of six books including Real Communication, How to Be You and Lead True, Magnetic Stories and Stories for Work. Welcome to The Next Shift. Thanks for joining us today, Gabrielle. What is storytelling for business and what does it involve? Yeah, storytelling in business or business storytelling or however you want to talk about it is literally what I do is I teach business people how to communicate their messages more effectively through stories. And my big emphasis is on personal stories. So taking a non-work related story, just something that happened when you're a kid or something on the weekend and linking it to a business message. Because I think they are the most powerful stories and they're the most underutilized stories. 
a lot of people that share stories in business, they're work-related stories, which is still fine and they're still relevant and they can still work, but the personal stories are the most powerful and the most underutilized and there's a real skill involved in doing them well. Why do we need personal stories in business? Because traditionally we've always tended to have the professional and the personal and neither has, at least the personal isn't considered, hasn't been considered to be appropriate in a workplace or professional setting. Yeah, and it and it hasn't. And for we, for years, we was it's almost because it's business and it's professional. We've been told we have this ridiculous bias on facts and figures as, and thinking that inspires people or gives us credibility. And we've been told, you know, you shouldn't work's work, personal, don't mix the two. Just give me the facts. No one's ever said, just give me a story. The real power in sharing a personal story, as in a non-work related story for a business message, there's two really amazing things that happen. First of all, it's engaging. It's different. We're humans. We like finding out about the people. So the message is actually more engaging. Our brains listen to stories differently. So it instantly gets people engaged. But there's all this research to show that when you share a story, people not only connect with the story, but they connect with the storyteller. So you're absolutely strengthening relationships when you share a personal story, which is critical whether you're speaking with your team or clients or potential clients or key stakeholders, it can actually strengthen the relationship. I guess the thing about a story is like the same thing about telling a joke in a story. Even though it may appear that you're very confident telling the joke, you're actually putting yourself in a position of vulnerability because the joke you tell, the people you tell the joke to might not just not laugh or not get it, but they might actually be offended. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's really important what type of story you share because just like a joke, the joke you think could be funny, but if it's offensive to people, then it's not funny. And also like a joke, you would imagine the most important thing of a joke is the delivery and the punchline. And that's the most important thing with the story is knowing how to deliver it but the most importantly, how to end it. So you're actually ending it on the message, which allows people to get the message, but without you having to tell them. So it's like one of the most awful ways to end your story is the moral of the story is. I, t- I teach people not only how to do it, but actually give them the confidence to know you can use stories, get them to experience the power of it, and then actually teach them how to do it. Because like I said, it's a skill. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it and we'd all be doing it well and we're not. How soon before ChatGPT starts telling corporate stories? <laughs> I, You know what? I've had a lot of people ask me that. I have started to experiment with ChatGPT just to aware of it and I've gone in and th- said things like, tell me a story around risk management or tell me a story about teamwork. And they're pretty good. They're actually pretty good, but they're missing something and what they're missing is emotion from it. It's like the stories are told almost this happened and this happened. But I tell you what, most people tell their stories like that. So that's why I said the chat GPT ones are good. The danger though, and you never want to do this, why you could certainly use chat GPT to give ideas around stories. Mm. So say if you were looking for a story around collaboration, you could ask chat GPT, but you hope that the stories it provides sparks your own story. You always want to share your own personal stories. If if you're sharing other people's stories and pretending them your own, that is like the biggest risk to your credibility. And you just 
Like, why would you do it? Just why would you do that? Now, a lot of businesses and leaders can tell very good stories. And you've cited, for example, outgoing Qantas CEO Alan Joyce talking about telling stories about how he talks to customers all the time or passengers mm-hmm. all the time and telling some stories about Qantas staff going above and beyond. The cabin crew member who helped someone with a broken wrist eat a bag of nuts or... Yep. The off-duty flight manager who happened to help someone find their laptop. But Mm. to be honest, a lot of passengers and Qantas staff would suggest that his storytelling talents are a little bit at odds with his actions or interactions with passengers and staff. Yeah, and look, this is where you've got to be really careful about your, it's got to be congruent. So what you really, the stories you share and you have to believe in what you're saying. So you can't be sharing stories about, great stories about being inclusive and then not being inclusive. So the stories you're citing was actually from the the Qantas magazine in the CEO's report. And he had, it was an example of three super short stories, like literally a story in a sentence almost three super short stories to talk about the great customer service Qantas give. And we could argue that that doesn't happen all the time. Oh, I've got some great stories about my luggage with Qantas. Yes, and I'm sure we all have. And recently we've probably got a lot more. And I'm sure Alan Joyce got a lot of help with writing his CEO editors. I don't know if he writes it himself, but I'm sure his comms people help him write it. But you do have to be congruent. You can't be you can't be sharing stories that go against your values and then you can't be doing stuff that goes against your values. We only have to look at the most recent PwC issue to say when your when what when your tagline is building trust for today and tomorrow and you do something like that is actually more brand damage than not having a tagline like that. I'm Sunil Badami and you're on the next shift on Disrupt Radio as acclaimed corporate storyteller Gabriel Dolan shares her story about how she became a storyteller and what kinds of stories your business should be telling. Does everything need to have a story? It can often seem as if corporate storytelling falls into the same trap as corporate jargon. Offering a story or a snappy copy for anything and everything like I remember being at someone's house, like I'd stayed over the night, stayed over for a weekend and I was in the shower and I noticed that the shampoo bottle had a story about the shampoo. So does everything need to have a story and how can we avoid the same cliches and meaninglessness in storytelling? Okay, so no, not everything needs a story. So sometimes we just need to inform people. I often say if someone says to you, what's the latest monthly sales figure? You don't go, that reminds me of a time when. <laughs> it's just like you don't need a story for that. Although un- unless you have a bigger target, you might need a story. But things like, and, and look, I have absolutely noticed an increase on products around our story. I actually think that's a good idea. Like the origin story, the creation story, how this product started. I think that's a really powerful story that companies should be sharing. The only problem is you just got to make sure it's a story. Nine times out of 10, when I look at those, our story, it's not a story. It's like a timeline of of events. So I actually really like the stories when, you know, you're sitting there and you're having a shower and you've got the our story on the shampoo bottle. Just have a little read of it while you're washing your hair. As you can tell by this Zoom interview, I don't have a lot of hair to wash. No, I I wasn't going to mention anything that you might not be reading shampoo bottles, but I would love reading it, although I couldn't read it because I'd need my glasses and I can't. 
on in the shower. But I do the backstory. I think the backstory of any product or any any company adds serious value, and it's one of the five stories that I think companies should be looking to share. So, what are the five stories that companies should share? One is the creation story, so creation of the company or creation of a product. One is culture stories, so that's how you're living and breathing the value. So that's that stories of your employees. One is customer stories, so again, how your employees are helping customers. One is community stories, so what you're doing in the community. And you want to move beyond just your corporate responsibility stories. You might have an employee that's volunteering somewhere and celebrate them as great volunteers. It, it could have nothing to do with what you're selling, but it's making your employees the heroes. And then one is challenge stories. So how you've overcome challenges. And I say, don't get too hung up on what the story is because one story could tick quite a few of those types of stories. But I explore those five types as different stories companies should be looking to find. Speaking of stories, how did you get started in storytelling for business? I it was about 20 years ago when I was working at National Australia Bank as a change manager, project manager. And it was in that time when I was trying to lead change across the organization that I started to notice that when I communicated through a story, people seemed to understand it better and they seemed to get on board quicker. So that was about 20 years ago. And then I started to look around and there was a guy called Steve Denning had written a book on storytelling in organizations. And he was a ex-senior exec at the World Bank. And part of me thought, if someone from the World Bank thinks storytelling in business is important, then maybe there's something in there. So I literally, with my background in designing and delivering leadership programs, I thought this is a skill. I know this is a skill and maybe I'll be the one to try to educate the business world around it. And so that was over 18 years ago. And while it was a bit slow for quite a few years, it's it's not slow anymore. It's storytelling is absolutely seen as a key, critical leadership and communication skill. Thank you so much for joining us, Gabrielle Dolan, talking about storytelling and how we can tell more effective stories as leaders and organisations. Thank you so much for having me. As we've discovered, the principles of storytelling for business are much the same as the rules for writing or telling compelling stories on film, stage, in print, even on the radio. We met storyteller and comic book author Matt Groom earlier in the show, and I wondered how someone who'd actually studied creative writing might approach storytelling for business. And how do you break through a creative block about, I don't know, yogurt? Ariel Bodenstein is a graduate of the University of Technology's Bachelor of Communications, which I also completed last century and where I've actually taught over the past decade or so. She's a writer who's contributed to multiple anthologies and now works as a storyteller, like Matt did, for the Sydney branding agency For the People. You know, we just talked to your predecessor as a storyteller at For the People, Matt Groom, talking about what makes a good story, especially for business. How did you become a storyteller at For the People? So I was doing my creative writing degree at UTS and I was getting towards the end. I was in my final semester and I was really had no idea what I was going to do with a creative writing degree. I thought I would probably be unemployed. But then I saw a post for an internship at For the People. And so I decided to take that on during my final semester of study. 
and then I was incredibly lucky and they gave me a job. <laughs> what, what kind of writing did you do for your creative writing degree? I mostly did fiction, so short fiction, and I was very interested in realism in particular. Yeah. How did your study of fiction inform the way that you write copy or tell stories for business now? Yeah, it was interesting. I remember saying in my interview that, you know, if I'm honest, I probably am not qualified for this job. You know, I didn't study marketing or public communication. And I remember Matt saying, you know, something along the lines of, actually, that's great. That's what we want because we want to actually think differently about it. So I think it ended up helping me more than I think and just telling a, a greater story and a more human and personal story rather than trying to sell something explicitly. Okay, so what makes a good story? Yeah, you could get, go into the rules, (laughs) the technical side of it, having tension, I think is a really big point. I think a lot of people steer away from conflict, maybe in more of a business writing environment, but I think having tension is is what makes things exciting and interesting and what makes them satisfying when they resolve. So yeah, honing in on tension and I think as well being curious and empathetic would be my big three. Okay, I mean, that's the big thing. Often when businesses think about telling stories, they're actually just selling rather than telling. What's the distinction between telling a story and selling a product? I guess a story has... You know, in the simplest terms, it has a beginning, middle and an end. So you're taking people on that journey rather than just kind of giving them a line, but also making it something that they can relate to and they feel connected to. You know, stories are personal and we we feel more connected to them than a tagline that exists on its own. Yeah. Look, I totally get that, like when you're thinking about, say, for example, Joseph Campbell's, you know, hero has a thousand faces and, you know, the hero's journey, you know, when I'm reading a really great novel, I don't know, well, I wouldn't say Harry Potter, but a novel anyway, (laughs) and I'm involved in a person's story, how can you make people involved in or relate to a business or organisation story or a product story? Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, your audience is always people, you know, even if you have a tech product, you know, it's going to be used by people or people might engage with the end results. And so no matter what it is, I think there's an opportunity to tap into human emotions or, you know, the human experience, those experiences we can all relate to. No matter what it is, I think there's still an opportunity for that. And it's something that, yeah, shouldn't be avoided just because you have a product or an offering that maybe doesn't seem human or personal at first. Now, like you, I write creative fiction and nonfiction. That's my first love. But there are times when I can find myself a little blocked where I'm like, I don't know what to write about. How do you overcome writer's block, especially when you're writing about, say, a product or service or organisation that you might not necessarily be totally excited by? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure that I know. I wish I did. It's challenging. It's definitely challenging. I guess the things that I do, they don't always work. But firstly, to get away from the screen, to go for a walk, even just 
think about it in a different environment. And then sometimes the other thing I do, which is maybe a bit odd, is I go on Reddit. I think if you find a niche subreddit that focuses specifically on the thing you're writing about, you kind of quickly get yourself into the world and the language of that community. And yeah, you might just stumble upon something. You don't always, if you're really stuck. I mean, you know, a lot of stories, a lot of plots are kind of formulaic. How do you avoid the formulaic when you're telling stories for business? I think the formula can be helpful. I don't know if you have to avoid it entirely. I guess it's more just tailoring it to them. I'm not sure. I feel like I I use the formula. Maybe that's not good. (laughs) I mean, why do businesses even need to tell stories? It feels like there's stories everywhere, bottles of shampoo or, you know, everyone seems to be trying to tell a story why do we need these stories? Why can't we just say what it does or how much it costs? What does the story add and why should businesses be thinking about how they tell stories? Because stories change people's hearts and minds. I don't know, I'm a big believer in the power of words and maybe that's naive, but I think, yeah, when you connect with something, that's what what drives you, even if it is just driving you to make that purchase. But I think a good story will change what people believe in and change the way they think and make them feel, yeah, connected to something bigger. So, yeah. And what are your tips for a really good story for business? What would you recommend? What would you advise a client coming in and asking you for help on how to tell their story? Mm, I think firstly to get to the heart of it. So what's that kind of core truth at the heart of your story, which often is hard to get to, but will come through a lot of discussion and reflection to find the tension, to find that kind of point of conflict that you're going to help resolve. And then lastly, to tell it in a way that's personal and emotive and is gonna resonate with people's own experiences. Thank you so much for giving us the inside story, Ari Bodensteiner, for the people. No problem. Thanks for talking to me. We all love sharing a yarn, whether it's around the fire, over the fence, around the water cooler or in the gossip columns. Unless, of course, we're in the gossip column. And when you think about it, storytelling for business is like business itself. It's all about the people, what excites them and what challenges them. The same principles for a great movie or book are the same for telling an engaging story about your business. And it starts with telling the truth, recognising the challenges, offering us inspiration to overcome them and allowing us to see ourselves in that story. A great story is like a conversation and if you want to engage your audience, whoever they are, in that conversation, don't just sell or tell. Speak to us, about us and you'll have us whatever it is you want to do with us. Well, it's time to close this chapter and clock off this shift. Thanks to Gabrielle Dolan, Matt Groom and Ari Bodenstein for sharing their wonderful stories and insider tips. You can find out more about Gabrielle and how she helps businesses and organisations communicate more effectively at gabrieldolan.com. Find out more about Matt and his work at Matt Groom with one T on the mat and go to forthepeople.agency to see some of Ari's work. 
or check out our program page at disrupt.radio for more info and links to their work. So, what do you think about storytelling for business? Is it just another marketing ploy or a way to really engage with your people? And how do you tell your story? Share your story on our socials on Facebook, Twitter, Insta and, of course, LinkedIn. This is Disrupt Radio and I'm Sunil Badami. See you next time for The Next Shift. On Disrupt Radio, you'll hear Megan Flamer and Alan Jones. You have a theory about accelerator programs. Yes, we've been through, well, we've mentored and coached in a few accelerator programs. Just a few. Over the years. <laughs> Whether you're just starting out or figuring out your next stage of growth, the advisory board is here to lend a helping hand. Like, what are the blind spots that we have? What are the things that you just don't know. Megan Flamer and Alan Jones have helped thousands of founders, CEOs and organisations all over the world take their lives and businesses to the next level. How are the startup ecosystems different around the world? The advisory board. If they're a casual employee, their minimum entitlements will be different to somebody that's permanent, for example. Live on DAB+. I have to be prepared to, to take constructive criticism and take it on board and listen to it and you know incorporate it. Online and on demand at disrupt.radio.